On the 6th of June, 1944, the D-Day beach landings at Normandy signalled the arrival of the Allied troops into France. At Sword Beach, Simon Fraser, the 15th Lord Lovett, and commander of Number 4 Commando, had a peculiar soldier with him that had no weapon. When the ramps dropped, this young Scottish soldier stepped valiantly into the water, and when the water was waist-high, he struck in his bagpipes and played Highland Laddie to push his fellow troops onward, up the beach, and through the hailstorm of bullets that were falling around them. He would go on to survive the war, and continuing to play at the remembrance ceremonies until he was no longer able to. This is the story of the Mad Piper of D-Day, Bill Millen. Sean's back. Sean Hello, is back. Sean. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello, boy. Hey, boy. I'm here too. You know, it's been really nice. Uh, not researching this. Not online. researching at well. Well, you did. Yeah. Yeah, and I took the credit for it. Half. Yeah. Um, hosting That's an episode. Okay. It's nice to take a bit of weight off your shoulders for Sean Month, which I'm yeah. I'm on board with. I like this name. Sean Month. Sean Month. I Sean Vember. Like Sean. Sean Vember. No, Sean. Mer- no, that doesn't work. No, that yeah. just sounds like we're wanting to exclude him. Sean, Sean Vember. Sean Vember. That works. That works. No, Welcome Vember, to Sean. Cheeky Tales, Sean Vember. It's the first. Now with hundred percent more Sean. hundred, actually, hundred percent. Yeah. Theme month is just a person. It's a person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, not a theme, but a person. That's fine. I like it. It's a residency. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, how is everyone? Good. Pause. I'll just pause to let everyone respond. I'm doing I'm good. Glad. <laughs> I'm, in the I'm, I'm so glad we both didn't say anything. That that was perfect. That was good. I'm good. Yeah, been a whole two weeks since. Uh, no, it hasn't been two weeks since we we've seen each other. It's been less than twenty four. Yep. Oh, no, more than twenty four hours now. But yeah. it's it's two weeks for the listeners. So yeah, it's, it's good to be back. I'm excited to hear uh, a tale, a World War Two tale. Yeah, which I've already covered. A World War Two still our most popular episode. Well, that's it is. Okay. We have found. Yeah, it's it's noted that it was a very popular Midway episode. has had the most listens. Doesn't irk me at all. <laughs> Sorry, boy. It's Not, okay. If it I listen to Titanic another couple of hundred times, it'll, it'll <laughs> boost do. it up. Yeah, I'll just play it. I have been repeat. getting uh, a bunch of people to listen to the Olympic, the 1904 Olympics yes. tale, because that was such an amazing story, boy. Um, it was. That was fun. It came uh, up at the barbershop a few times, and yeah. they were asking them, like, what's this podcast you're talking about? I'm like, oh, do I have a absolute banger for you? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's going to be the one that we go, all right, listen to this episode. That'll be our was, Raycon episode. Yeah, it was an yeah. e- excellent episode. Well done, boy. Great find on the story. Absolutely. Thank great you. Find. But today, we're here to find out a bag. What's the official term? Like Billy the, the baggy. Is a, a, piper. Ba- a piper? A piper. Yeah, you could say bagpiper, but Billy a piper the baggy. A piper landing on the beaches of Bill France. French? Not just French. What? A piper landing on the beaches of France. Bill the Baggy. Not just a piper. The only. <laughs> the only the piper. The only piper that landed on the beaches yeah, like, at Normandy. Can I say immediately? Yeah. But this doesn't seem like a necessary position. What? To be the piper? Like, not only was it not it necessary. It like you don't need a piper at all when we, you're, you're on Normandy. Learn, well, we're going to learn a little bit more about not only the fact that it was not necessary, but okay. it also broke a few rules along the oh, way. Oh, I do like some mm. army rule breaking. So, which does, of course, involve some backstory, which I have been told not to go too deep on, listeners. So, as we've just discussed before, I've oh, done a World War Two story before. Yep. I, I like my World War Two history. Yeah, you do. Yep. Big oh, old nerd. Uh, I wouldn't. Yeah. Okay. You're a space nerd. Yeah. So how much of the D-Day landing do you actually know about, boy? I know it was at Normandy. Do you just know what's that? That's it. That's have, you, you know? have you seen Saving Private Ryan? 
No, I haven't. Oh, okay. okay. So you don't even have enough, that as a. I got a message from Brie, my my partner, the other day, yes. and she's like, "Mention." Well, it was actually today. Yeah, she <laughs> is that a today. first mention? <laughs> yeah, she's listened to an episode, so she's allowed to be mentioned. She texts me and she's like, "Sean, put this war movie on," and like, "Wow!" I'm like, what oh, is she it? She hadn't seen it either. Yeah, I was playing it today uh, oh, nice. while I yeah. was. She had no idea what it was. Work. Didn't even know the title. Anyway, what I'm getting at is, I know a fair bit about this landing. Yeah. Didn't know about the Piper. Mm-hmm. Because that's not in the movie. No, that's not what I know about it. That's it's not, in that's a not, movie. That's not the basis Badass of my knowledge. Billy the Baggy. It's in a movie. So, I'm excited to hear this. Let's get into it. Righto. So, of course, I had to take Sean? it easy on the backstory. So, of course, it starts with a warm night in I'm ancient Greece. Blow up that sack. It's <laughs> terrible. That doesn't even make sense. Uh, bagpipes have a big sack of air. Yeah, I get it. I get what you're- But it doesn't make sense. Blow up it? that sack and make some noise. Very, very cheap puns. Give us some hot air, Sean. Blow us some oh, hot don't. air. Yeah, that's going to come through the recording. Yeah. Actually, well, that was going to be my next question. What did you say? Highlander. He was playing Highlander. He was playing a tune called Highland Laddie. Right. Can you play that? Because you play the back. I can play Highland Laddie, yes. Yeah, interesting. Please don't ask him to. I'm not going to. Oh, not during the recording. Maybe don't afterwards. have the time. It's, afterwards? It's, it's probably nine o'clock yeah. already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My putt. Yeah. I do have my pipes with me, but no, no. Anyway, play us a tune. You're the baggy man. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> so, Bill Millen, right? He was born in Saskatchewan, Canada. I love Saskatchewan yeah. just because of the name. Just because so you name. just love saying it. Saskatchewan. 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 And I've always liked the joke from How Met Your Mother where her dog was named Sir Scratchewan. That was hilarious. Anyway. Nice. So, he was born in Saskatchewan, Canada in July 1922. To a Scottish family that had moved to Canada. However, he'd immediately moved back to Scotland at the age of three and he settled in Glasgow with his family. As he grew up, he joined the Territorial Army at Fort William, which is an area where his family had moved to at the time. Now, the Territorial Army, essentially the easiest way to think about it is they're not exactly reservists, but it's they joined their local unit. So he joined up with his local unit in the area. And this is where his bagpiping career started. So he started playing the pipes in a band of the Highland Light Infantry and also with the Queen's own Cameron Highlanders. What? When was this? This is in, uh, well, he would have been about, didn't say how old he was, but let's assume Territorial Army Reservist at the time, post-World War One. say 16. Okay, so let's we're talking 16. like the 30s. Yeah, let's, we're okay. talking the 30s. So post-World John's War One. John's favourite era. Oh, John does Don't get me it. started yeah. on the 30s. Dismantled a replica of the Titanic. Not a replica, on. it was its own ship. It was well, its own, yeah, the sister, the sister ship. ship. which could have been a replica we had. Mm. Anyway, moving on. The replica that we always wanted. Anyway, so he trained with these units as, as a bagpiper, playing in these in these bands and training to be a soldier in some description. Yeah. However, he uh, later went on to volunteer as a commando and he trained with- uh, the volunteer as a commando? Yeah, he volunteered to be as a commando. So this was a new concept at the time. Oh, like special, yeah. special forces soldiering was new. So he had volunteered to, yeah, to go into commando training. Crack. Yeah, give it a yeah, crack. You know. Does it involve running through trenches? No. All right, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. It's I guess different. it doesn't carry the same. It didn't carry the same weight as it does today to be a commando or special forces. It was yeah. A- no, the name actually uh, commando comes from uh, the sort of from guerrilla the not wearing underwear. No, it comes from the guerrilla soldiers <laughs> in the Boer War that would operate using non-conventional warfare tactics against against sort of conventional armies. But we're not getting into that. So anyway. Uh, he actually volunteered to be a commando and then he trained with uh, the Lord Lovett at the time in Aknakari uh, with many, many different troops from all over the world, from France, the Netherlands, Belgium, Poland, Norway, and at the time, the nation of Czechoslovakia. So he started out his career just piping and then he was like, you know what, I'm going to be something better. 
something, moving to the commando world. So he, he joined the army as a piper. Essentially, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now it's making more sense that there was a piper at D-Day. Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. Anyway, but before so we go any- just a piper. Before we go any further, we need a little bit of- you love me? Oh, wow. Before That's we go any further- musical reference. <laughs> <laughs> before we go any further, a little bit of uh, history to do with the bagpipes in, in a military format. So, although now the bagpipes are seen as a, just a musical instrument- Mm. Uh, up until 1966, oh, it was classed as a it was classed weapon? as a weapon. <laughs> it's classed as it a, weapon a weapon of war. Okay, yeah, I, too I can far understand that. So having I mean, having had Sean on his own playing in my backyard, it, it's, it's quite loud. loud. It's loud. Yeah. Bleeding yeah. eardrums. So mm. up until 1966, it was considered a weapon of war due to an, an issue in the 1700s. So originally, the Great Highland bagpipes, as we know them, the, the Scottish version, there were the you know bagpipe instruments all over the world a little bit different but the ones we know were used to actually uh, signal movements to troops different tunes would have different connotations for uh, large groups of troops moving forward and backwards similar to a so bugle it's a megaphone yeah. right. in a way yeah similar to, similar to a because um, the sound does carry yeah. one of those things quite a yes. fair distance doesn't it yeah. my neighbours yeah. would know yeah <laughs> yeah your neighbours well yeah your neighbours would know very well yeah, that's interesting so until 1966 the great highland bagpipes were considered a weapon of war because during the Battle of Culloden Moor in 1746, which was the last battle of the Jacobite Rebellion, which is a great story for another day, but it's a little bit deep, uh, where a piper named James Reed was captured at the end of the battle along with 558 other soldiers by the English. Uh, they captured, correction, the captured soldiers uh, were taken to England and put on trial for crimes against the Crown. Uh, Reed claimed that he was innocent of all misdoings because he didn't actually have a weapon. All he had was his bagpipes. And after much thought and deliberation by the jury, it was said that no Highland regiment went into battle without pipes at its head. And in the eyes of the law, the bagpipes were a weapon of war. Uh, he was hung and drawn, oh. and, co- and, drawn and corded. Oh, oh. man. But, yeah. <laughs> 1700s England thought, was pretty bad. Yeah, just when you thought for, the 30s. playing was, a bagpipe. Yeah. Just when you fair. thought the 30s was bad. Okay. That's. Okay. That's just blown my mind. Like, Can I just. Um, quickly point out john that um sean just had a pillow fall and it didn't result in beer on my carpet no it didn't yeah beer is safely i did notice before sean was waving his hands while speaking and he got (laughs) very close to knocking his beer off i was kind of hoping it would happen it has been a clumsy week also sean asked me when he was researching he's like how far is too far to go back in time 300 years is all right well i went a few thousand with mine he's like oh okay yeah tried to slot in tried to slot (laughs) in the warm night in ancient greece joke but uh it didn't work that's okay Anyway, so moving forward a bit further. So during World War One, uh, they estimated that over a thousand pipers were killed during fighting in the trenches as they wheeled their soldiers up and over to fight. Armed with nothing, <laughs> due to it being a two-handed instrument, and bringing attention to themselves deliberately, they were later targeted by snipers and machine guns as the Germans noticed the positive effect that the bagpipes actually had on the troops. So- okay. I was going to say, boy, yes. I'm talking to Aaron here. Okay. You're in the trenches of World War One. Yes. Someone pops up on the other side playing a set of bagpipes. I'm going to shoot him. Yeah, yeah, you're aiming for him, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, well, they, it, later, they later started aiming for him. Just, like, imagine the fact that these not, things are so loud. Yeah. They're used in a war zone to direct people. So, they're that loud. Yeah, yes. over gunfire. And, mm. Yeah. I can understand why over a thousand were killed. Like, yes. Yes. Actually, so, I want that in the next Call of Duty or Battlefield game. I want piper to be a class you can play as i'm sure there's a very niche crowd of (laughs) i'm sure there's a mod that absolutely are thirsty for it yeah that'd be great and it'd just be like i don't know it'd be kind of like a a bard in like D. it'll it'll boost the stats of your bit of extra accuracy or something like that that'd be so 
I'm not going to say, I don't want to use the word useless. Kind of a bit useless. <laughs> anyway, these World War One Pipers, a great example is a, a man named Piper Laidlaw. After a gas attack on the trench that he was in, his troops were hunkered down and pretty well defeated and really couldn't find the will to fight. So Piper Laidlaw got up, up onto the parapet, so the top of the trench where they would build small wooden walls, up onto the top of the trenches and marched back and forth playing the blue bonnets over the border to rouse his soldiers. It's quite a quick tune and it really, really gets the blood pumping as, as they later found out. The effect was instantaneous and the unit swarmed over the top and advanced towards the Germans. He continued to play as he advanced and was finally wounded near the German lines. Uh, he was later awarded the Victoria Cross for his valour, the yeah, highest I mean, award for valour. That does make sense. And the French, I'm going to have a crack at pronouncing this. Uh, the, Sacre bleu. <laughs> the, the Croix de Guerre, which is their award for valour as well. Okay. That's a pass. That's, That's a, a pass. pass. Now, there's yeah. plenty of other Victoria Cross winning bad papers, but that is not what today is about. So, it's a morale booster. Yes. And we've, we've I think we've discussed before in the Battle of Midway episode, um, was it the Yorktown raised a, yeah. a fresh flag? Flick, flicked and, a flag up. And there was quoted soldiers saying that it gave them inspiration. Mm-hmm. So, I guess it's a very important part in, in military operations, having a morale in mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah, but very have much something so. to fight for. Yeah, and if it reminds you of home or just yeah. a sense of pride, maybe. Yeah, or- it shows you what you're fighting for, even just the way that music has the effect on the release of different chemicals inside the brain. Like, they haven't heard music in months. Yeah. Know, they're sitting in a, yeah, in a well, ditch that, in the ground. Yeah, that's no, something you hadn't thought of either. Like- no stimulation, except for maybe the mate next to you humming a really crap tune. And that you- mate would be dead. <laughs> Speaking of that, do you have, like, a pump-up song for cricket when you go play cricket? No. I'm starting to get into a bit of a routine of having a pump-up song before I play cricket. I have one song and one song only. That is T-Pain's Take Your Shirt Off. Actually, uh, Sean has reminded me that I do have a song. Uh, it is Kesha's TikTok. It is the greatest oh, song of all time. Uh, yeah, that is a great song. That is a great song. There's no better song. Tell no, me a better song. we're not giving this any more time. Continue with your tale, Sean. Fair enough. Moving away from- After the issues- after the issues with bagpipes uh, being used during World War One, the British War Office banned the use of bagpipes in combat, leading up into World War Two, pushing them back to the rear echelons for morale and support. Now, this created some issues for soldiers that missed home or for young pipers that were uh, made to play, uh, which would be in defiance of the British War Office. Uh, stories of Scottish soldiers that defied the instructions of the English rules are well documented, and one that is better known is the story of Mad Jack Churchill. Have any of you ever heard of Mad Jack Churchill? No, but I feel like I'm about to. You're going to love this man. I want to hear about Mad Jack. Mad Jack. Mad Jack. Jackie boy. Now, Mad Jack enlisted in the 20s and 30s, and he served a little bit, and then he got out of the military, and then he got back in for World War II because he's like, hell yeah, let's do it. Now, Mad (laughs) Mad Jack was a Scottish officer that went into battle with a longbow, a set of bagpipes and a basket-hilted sword that is sometimes confused to be a claymore, but it's a very big sword. Along sick. Uh, now that, that you said that, sick. I'm pretty sure I have heard of the of yeah. this character. I will have a photo for the socials yeah. of him jumping off a boat in Norway with a freaking sword and, and a long longbow. Is he yeah. a kilt? Oh yeah, of co- yeah. yeah. So he is actually the only British soldier to have a confirmed kill using an arrow in World War Two. <laughs> Nice. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. This man was- Did he get him in the knee? Fierce. He did not oh. get him in the knee. Cheeky Skyrim plug there. Ah. Much appreciated. I don't even like Skyrim. Oh, that's a lie. So, yeah, no, that's it. a truth. Was he in a kill? That boy. Are you, I don't think he actually answered that. Was he in a kill? Was he? Sorry. Yeah, he got an actual kill with no, an arrow. Kilt. Oh, no. He occasionally wore a kilt, but okay. no, and most of the time he wore his uh, 
his standard battle okay, dress. So, yeah, he wasn't charging into the battle with his... He wore pants. There are sword some... and bow in a kilt. Well, <laughs> pants, yes, but if he was wearing tartan pants, they're known as trues. Okay. Fun I fact. not know that. Factoid. That's a true fact. Yeah, if you see someone wearing tartan pants, they're not Boo. trousers, they're called trues. Anyway. True fact. Uh, there is, I believe, a photo of him true. wearing a kilt, but it's not the... <laughs> it's not... It's not a... Not true. Anyway... So he had a very large sword, not a claymore. He had a very large sword, not a claymore. It's a large basket-hilted sword, but okay. when people look at it, they think it's a claymore. They think, yeah, he's got a sword, yeah. a claymore. Have you held a claymore? Yeah, it's very heavy. It's very heavy and very big. I've held a claymore. Kersey uh, had a family friend who had a collection of swords, and one of them okay. was a claymore. It was. I do not know how you would swing that thing. Be stronger than us. Yeah, big farm muscles. Anyway, so he ended up in- Farm uh, muscles? Yeah, big farming muscles. Okay. Scottish Highlanders farming. Yeah, get with big it, muscles. Come on. Come on, man. Just watch Outlander. Get up to date. Um, that's another movie reference that we haven't yep. seen. <laughs> I have not seen Highlander. It's a television show. We reference a lot of oh, movies. No, Outlander. No, no, he's talking about oh, Highlander. Not Highlander. Yeah, sorry. Oh, no, but you and I have seen Highlander that he wouldn't get. I haven't seen Highlander. Really? There can be only one? You don't? Oh. I know of it. I haven't seen it. Worst we reference so many movies that we haven't seen. All of them, basically. Little bit, little bit plug. The worst accent ever. A Frenchman playing a Scotsman. Living in America. I it's don't know. a nightmare. I no, think, it's a nightmare. I think Sean Lambert. Connery's Russian accent in Red October. Sean Connery is also in Highlander. And he plays okay. a Spaniard with a Scottish okay. accent. And an earring. All right. Sean Connery doesn't even change his accent, does he? No, not at all. He, oh, he tries a Russian accent in the Hunt for Red October. So, Mad Jack ended up uh, as the second in command for the third commando uh, group for their assault on a German position in Norway in December of 1941. Now, I had the town name, but it had so many little marks. I couldn't pronounce it. I'm sorry. But it was, either way, it was in Norway in December Norwegian 1941. Norwegian town. So... <laughs> As his landing craft hit the coast, he leapt off, playing March of the Cameron Men on his bagpipes before getting close enough to throw a grenade by himself and then continuing his assault with his sword. That's So he okay. jumped off the boat himself, yep. started playing the bat. Yeah, this man was wild. This man was wild. So for his actions at multiple battles, including Dunkirk, he was eventually awarded the Military Cross with a bar. The Military Cross being the second highest award for Valor. And he got it twice, which means he got a bar put on it. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just assumed they'd give them another cross. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, it's just, yeah. It's an so, addition to the award. Yeah. To me, that would seem like he was carrying quite a bit of heavy gear. Just a little bit. I ha- think he had most likely had a small person to carry his yeah. bagpipes for him. A but, small oh, okay. person? Yeah, which, well, I'm not going to say what it is because I'm actually about to describe what that type of person is. Okay. But we'll All get right. into it. Yeah, we'll get right now. Get into it right now. Anyway, so as you can see, there was still a great love of the pipes among soldiers. And Simon Fraser, the 15th Lord Lovett, was one of these men. Simon Fraser came from a long line of proud Scottish warriors from the clan Fraser, to which he was the hereditary chief, being the Lord Lovett. So Lovett joined commando training at the same time as our protagonist in 1941. So as Bill Millen uh, volunteered for commando training, so did Simon Fraser, the 15th Lord Lovett. He'd already enlisted in the Scots Guard, which was his territorial unit, and had done some soldiering in Egypt before the war and was intrigued by the idea of the formation of the Special Service Brigade, which had just been started. So, the birth of commando soldiering of special forces at the time. And by extension, the birth of uh, SAS Australia on Channel 7. Oh, (laughs) jeez. I'm not happy with that plug. Good joke. Oh, yeah, sure. Write in on socials if you love that joke, please. There's going to be a very quiet social. Very quiet social family. Uh, so Lovett would later go on to be a well-decorated soldier throughout the war, participating in many raids, which were a new uh, tactic used by the emerging commando capability. So raiding being small teams 
assaulting locations rather than conventional warfare. Yeah. The British Prime Minister at the time uh, would later go on to say that Simon Fraser was, and I quote, the most handsomest man who ever cut a throat. All right. So he's got a crush on him. <laughs> there will be a photo of Simon Fraser for All the socials. Right. Oh, so many photos. Hot cutthroat coming Hot at you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Single ladies, he's probably dead. We've got nothing to follow that up with. I tried, tried yeah. it. What are you going to do? I tried to force a pun in, but that's a showstopper. Wasn't there. It was a showstopper. It stopped the show. Yeah. So during their training together in Athnacarry, Lovett had taken an interest in Millen and had invited him to be his Batman. He- I'm leaving this one for you. Yeah, I'm assuming that's not as in a masked vigilante, it's not a masked vigilante. dressed up as a giant bat. It means something else. So I can't prepared. imagine if it was, though. I was prepared for this. Well, that would be cool. Oh, okay. You've got a guy playing a bagpipe. Is this a, not the guy with the bow and arrow? And, no, this is no, not different Jack, guy. Yeah. But you got you got this other guy, and then just next to him is a guy in a black suit dressed up as a bat. Just, I strike yeah. fear into my enemy. That's terrible. Cut anyway. that. That sounded like an orc. Yeah, I know. Cut that. So a Batman or an orderly is a soldier or airman assigned to a commission officer as a personal servant. Before the advent of motorized transport, an officer's Batman was also in charge of the officer's bat horse. They carried the pack saddle with his officer's <laughs> kit during a campaign. <laughs> to the bat horse, Robin. <laughs> yeah, to the bat horse, yeah. It's, but it would uh, be Colonial. Batman. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. yeah. Batman, to the bat horse. <laughs> So, the British term is derived from the obsolete word bat, meaning pack saddle, from the French word bat, or Old French, bast, or from the Latin, bastum. I told you I'd get Latin. Yeah, he did tell me he was going to get I'm Latin. still just stuck on the mental image of a, of a horse, horse with a Batman cow. <laughs> Feel free to cut. No, 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 bat horse. That's going to get cut out in news for socials. Alarming. Anyway, so uh, Millen, so he'd been offered to be his his Batman or his Bat Boy, whatever, and he declined it. <laughs> Every time you say Batman, it he cracks, just cracks up. up yeah. <laughs> I was just still picturing the Bat Horse, <laughs> the horse in like a Catwoman suit. I don't know why it's in a Catwoman and, suit, and the, but- and, the, and the classic yellow, <laughs> just the bright yellow Batman. Yeah, it's got like wings for yep. no reason. Oh, I love it. No, he's googling it. I actually, I'm sure if you look it up, and our friend uh, uh, Adam will know, in the Samurai Batman movie, whatever it was, I'm sure there's a- There we go. That's, yeah, that's just That's going on the socials. That's, that's just the script. Um, in the Samurai Batman, I'm sure there is a horse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. The that's, Adam West Batman suit. Please, Adam West Bat- please Bat- horse. put that on our socials. <laughs> yes, I will. Yeah. Well, you put it on the socials. I'm that's just, true. It is, it's our job. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the adjacent cheeky boy. I'm just, I'm here for the ride. I'm here for my month. Here for the ride. If you're Sean Vember. Sean, Sean Vember. Anyway, so Millen had some hesitations on being a piper uh, as he was aware of the rules uh, surrounding the legalities of being a piper in war. Yeah. Uh, to this, Lord Lovett rather hilariously replied, uh, ah, but that's the English war office. You and I are both Scottish and that doesn't apply. All right. feel like that's not true because it's yeah. British. Well, well, yeah, it's, it's not true, but he got his way. I mean, what are they going to do? What are they- I guess they could draw and quarter him again. Yeah, no. Uh, again. I like I don't like <laughs> no, 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 think it could happen twice. I think once. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I like to think that they'd stopped that by that time. Yeah, the nineteen hundreds. Yeah. Okay. Pretty sure British were pretty bad. So 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 with uh, Millen now in the precarious position of Lord Lovett's Piper and their commando training complete, the preparations for the landing at Normandy were underway. 
The assault on the beaches were split, as we now know. So each beach was named and then assigned to particular units of different nations. Uh, the British forces, with Canadians in tow, had the beaches that were named Sword, Juno, and Gold, uh, as opposed to the Americans' beaches such as Omaha, which we know from Omaha and Utah. Was and the other Utah, one? yeah, which we Omaha. know from. We know from pop culture and from movies. However, Stop making an NFL reference. Isn't that what Tom Brady says? No, that was Peyton Manning. Um, and, okay, yeah. Omaha. Sad. Anyway. Showstopper. So we know that these beaches were named Sword, Juno, and Gold. These were the English beaches with the Canadians. So the area of Sword, Juno, and Gold beaches for the British forces was 20 miles in length. And the plan for the British and Canadian forces to begin their assault uh, was to start at 6 a.m. That was when they were supposed to assault the beaches. Too early. Well, (laughs) it wasn't even the earliest assault, as we know that they dropped paratroopers behind the lines, which I'm going to talk about a little further. So, with the Armada loaded up and ready to go, as they left their home ports uh, in England for the channel, Millen stood on the bow of the ship as the preparations continued. Millen was in full Highland uniform, wearing his battle dress tunic, the kilt of the Clean Cameron, uh, and his uh, hose, his skin do, his dirk, everything else in accompaniment. The only difference was he was wearing a, a battle dress jacket. That would be pretty cool to see. Yeah, it's pretty and outstanding. And he's on the bow yeah. of the ship. He's, he's just on the bow like of the ship. Front of the ship. Like the mermaid on any other ship. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Millen then took out his bagpipes uh, and began to play the old Scottish air Road to the Isles. A sailor then relayed the music over the loudspeaker of the ship and the soldiers, rather nervous about what was coming, threw their helmets into the air in rejoicement as they thoroughly enjoyed the tune. Okay. Two Royal Navy ships then responded to the tune that they could hear by playing A Hunting We Will Go over their loudspeakers. And A, a French- Hunting We Will Go. Yes. Okay. And then uh, one of the French destroyers, or a few of the French destroyers, responded by playing the Marseillais, their their national anthem. <laughs> Not it's quite very as French, isn't it? Very French. You can't do a French accent. Yeah. Don't do just it. Imagine just imagine. Okay, do it again. Do it again. But you got to start with what you're saying is. You're ruining our French listeners. I don't think we have any French listeners. France has not listened yet, so. Oh, oh, oh. Anyway, so with I Mil- hear a bag of vibes. Uh, so with Millen, that's terrible. That's terrible. Play the anthem. <laughs> Millen on the bow with doing a layonk the whole time. Baguette. 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 <laughs> is that the only French word you get? Croissant. Croissant. Not bad. Oh, oh, oui, oui. Someone is playing the bag of pipes. Oh, I need to do my menu. Hang on, no, I can do my I can do menu. We just got to put a little bit. Here we go to get the French. Someone is playing the bag of pipes. We got to, you know, we got to play our national anthem. We got to get our soldiers. We got to get them fired up. Sorry, Channel 7. Yeah, sorry. To the people of France, I'm sorry for oh, what you John's started doing. it. Don't even. We might as well apologize to all of Europe after. <laughs> yeah. After this. Yeah. At least mine sounded French. Anyway. Anyway. So, oh, sorry, Milan. France. Sorry, France. So, Millen was the only bagpiper and the only kilted soldier in the entire armada. So, although there were plenty of Scottish soldiers, the, the standard Highland dress of the units was gone. He was the only one wearing a kilt. That's it. Almost like they're impractical for war. Almost. And so, he was just carrying, like, because his uh, Lord Lovett mm-hmm. asked him to do this, he brought it with him. It's mm-hmm. not something usually he would carry with him or... Well, if he was actually a piper, yeah, that's what he would carry. Okay. But this position had kind of been phased out. Right. So he... They still had all the gear, obviously. What gear? The full dress uniform. Yeah, he had the full dress uniform. Yeah. So he wore this into battle as opposed to wearing his trousers. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so he was the only kilted soldier in the entire armada. And at 21 years old, he was soon to be a very prominent figure in the landings of D-Day. And he would be immortalized later, which we'll talk about. 
So on the morning of June 6th, soldiers on board the ships loaded up into the landing craft and waited anxiously to get ashore. It had been a choppy ride and most of them were very seasick and could not wait to get off the boats. So Millen was no different, uh, stating in an interview later that I didn't care what was going on ashore, I just wanted to get off that bloody landing craft. I think I would too. Yeah, it would be very uncomfortable. They're like a bucket full of men. Yeah, it's a big <sighs> steel bucket with an engine at the back. Yeah. You been in one? A landing craft. Yeah. Uh, a type of landing craft, yeah, but it was a little bigger than those ones. Okay. Not much bigger, just big enough for picture two medium trucks side by side. And a big target. Oh. Big metal target. Big metal target. Yep. So as the landing craft approached the three-mile stretch of sand that was uh, Sword Beach in particular, the British 3rd Infantry Division's task was uh, clear. They needed to uh, link up with General Gale's 6th Airborne Division, who were already inland as they had dropped in the night before. Now, the 6th Airborne Division were named the Red Devils, I'm sure you've heard of as they wore Red, Devils, uh, yep. Red Berets. Yeah. So the Red Devils had been dropped inland just after midnight and were holding uh, holding back positions needed for German counterattacks towards the beach. So they were holding these bridges and these focal points strong points that the Germans would need to then push their vehicles and their men through to counterattack the assault on the beach. Yep. And they weren't part of the misdrops that were plagued the American Literally everybody was misdropped. Mis misdropped? Okay. Yeah, everybody misdropped. Literally everyone. They reckon 6% of people hit their drop sites across I'm, I'm the entire night. I'm pretty sure, um, like we mentioned Saving Private Ryan before, yes. they, Red Devils were mentioned in that, weren't they? I believe they are mentioned, yes. Yeah, they bring them out like out of the... Yeah. Out of the front line, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. The Red Devils are mentioned, and in Band of Brothers, they're also uh, mentioned a little bit as well. The task of pushing in far enough to secure a series of bridges, uh, the crucial link between the beach and the inland, uh, fell on the shoulders of Lovett's commando unit. So supported by naval gunfire and amphibious Sherman tanks, uh, infantrymen from the South Lancashire and 2nd East Yorkshire regiments stormed the beaches with flail tanks clearing the path of minefields along the way. Have you ever seen a flail tank? It's yes. terrifying. They're dope. Oh, man, it's insane. Big old spinny boy. Big old so Do you want to describe it for the listeners? Because we have all know what it is, but I'm sure there's- So it's like a tank, but on, a the on the front of it, it's got this like tube- oh like a cylindrical tube that spins and attached to it is like maces basically that are just like imagine up, smacking into stuff. Imagine Bart Simpsons on the front of a tank swinging their arms back and yeah. forth. Yeah. If you and, get in my way, that's your fault. What are they designed to do? They're, they're anti-mine. They're anti-mine. So they yeah. fling the mines out of the ground. Yeah. So they, they actually rotate backwards towards the tank, which then scoops the mine out of the deck and launches it forwards and detonates it rather than digging it further into the dirt. Pretty dope. It's a pretty good engineering Pretty Back simple, yeah. yeah. Pretty simple concept, and, Still it, and used? it works. Uh, no, now they use oh, a different technique. Lame mine detectors. <laughs> lame. The mines are bigger now. Scary. Lame. So, with the flail tanks clearing the paths of minefields along the way, uh, they helped open up the beach a lot faster than any of the other landing points on the coast that day. So, the American beaches had a lot of trouble securing them with the tank traps, but the British, because they had these flail tanks, were able to clear their beach a lot quicker. So, throughout the next twelve hours. 28,845 men would cross Sword Beach, heading inland to free occupied France with 630 casualties. That's not That's bad. That's really low. Yeah. Compared to, say, like, the Compared stories we hear from Americans. Omaha and Utah. That's Omaha. Omaha. I have a feeling it's, it's you know, this, these fail tanks, they cleared the beach a yeah. lot quicker. So they yeah. landed at six. Well, that was the problem at the American ones. They failed to get their tanks to shore, didn't they? And yeah, they couldn't get them on. Yeah. They had so much trouble. Yeah. They had so much trouble. So, Lord Lovett's commandos were set to go ashore under heavy fire from the German machine gun emplacements near Colville. 
At the last moment, the men had ditched their helmets. A really critical what? piece of... Yeah, they ditched their helmets in favour of their signature green berets with their unit well, badges. that just doesn't seem right. Yeah, so they ditched their... Granted, the helmets were kind of obsolete in terms of bullets, but in terms of shrapnel and just even your mates yes. clanging you in the head with something, they're going to keep you safe. <laughs> they're just a big steel bowl. It just seems like having a helmet's better than a beret. It's better than having nothing. Yeah, you'd rather wear it prophylactically just keep the helmet on i just you just mentioned your mate smacking the i could just imagine aaron in the war he's getting taken out by someone just whacking him in the side of the head with the butt of their rifle oh, i'm probably doing the Can you imagine trying to get out of those ships with all of this shit on and you yeah. don't have your helmet yep. and someone's damn rifle that's slung over the shoulder because it's four feet long smacks you in the head that's like a, it like a you BAR. hesitate yep you hesitate I, you hesitate and then bang bullet i'm probably not making it out i'm getting knocked unconscious mm-hmm in the landing craft, probably. It's probably the safest place to be laying down in yeah. the landing craft. Yeah. So, well, yeah. So, switching away from their helmets in favour of the berries would later prove to be a rather foolish decision. Oh, uh, what? Yeah. So, this was, <laughs> this was reversed. I'm with, blown away. It was reversed Could with probably. later landings. So, as... Oh, as, was it? Smart. Yeah, as, as the troops hey, in boys, the rear boats... Hey, boys, put your helmet back on. Probably a better idea. <laughs> as the troops in the rear boats noticed, they, they started to put their helmets back on. So... Did you, did you see Daryl? It's got knocked out by Dave. Who's <laughs> yeah. gonna put this I'm back sure on? I'm sure that's the yeah, that's what they <laughs> not saw. The, not the grenade that no. went off and he's just got a massive amount of shrapnel through the side of his head. Not just the, the guy that's got knocked out. That's the reason to put yeah, your helmet not the helmet back on. Storm of bullets flying towards. Well, them. if a guy's getting knocked out on the boat, I'm sure they're like, well, we probably shouldn't get knocked out on the boat. <laughs> well, you've mm. seen Dazza. <laughs> you seen you seen the egg on Dazza's head? <laughs> Man, this got super Australian real quick. <laughs> it usually does. G'day, Cobb. <laughs> G'day, Cobb. So, as the ramps went down, uh, Lovett leapt from the landing craft with Piper Millen behind him for a moment. Uh, Millen, <laughs> Millen was waiting to see the depth of the water rather cleverly, uh, as Lovett was well over six feet tall, and he hoped that he would be able to gauge the depth as to keep his rather fragile bagpipes dry, being that that was his entire purpose. The idea so they, is to they keep They can't them. play if they're wet. I, they're made of wood. I've just realised I spent a lot of time making fun of the guys for not wearing helmets. And then there's a guy with, with a bagpipes. In a kilt yes. in full and full Scottish yes. attire. And so much of this is yeah, like, bonnet, why yeah. are you doing it? So A, a bonnet. Yeah, as bonnet. In a hat. A, yes. A well, little not a, bonnet. Not a hood. A, yeah. Okay. So he'd hoped that he could gauge the depth of the water to keep his bagpipes dry. So soon after Lovett had jumped into the water... Uh, however, the man behind Millen was shot straight through the face and he collapsed. Uh, well, this, that's dark. That got real dark real quick. But this Can't did convince, laugh at that. This convinced our hero uh, to get off the damn landing craft yeah. rather quickly. You know what? Screw the depth. I'm just going to get in the water. Screw Daryl and his, his conked head. Did you, see did you happen to Wait, Fred? Boy, did you see? Yeah. <laughs> you happened to Fred? He's got no face. Oh, we're John, that's really of inappropriate. But that's what happened. Not funny, dude. Okay. Sorry. So, Millen found himself. <laughs> Got him. So, Millen found himself in freezing water up to his armpits with his bagpipes above his head in a heavy woolen kilt, which I should mention are nine yards, well, between eight and 15 yards long. They're when you pleated. say yards, you mean like around, right? Yeah, around. Yeah, okay. So, oh, they're, wow. they're pleated at the back. Like a train of a wedding dress. They're folded, like they, they lap, overlap at the front, but they're pleated at the back so that you can move. So, it just unfurls. So, he was wearing this huge, completely heavy woolen kilt. Now, these days- So, kilts, in other words, it getting wet, very heavy. Very heavy. He was wearing a blanket. Right. Yeah. Along with most likely a sporran and long socks and, and some form of boot as well. 
and gators probably. So uh, everybody else was already very heavy. He wouldn't have been any lighter, that's for sure. And it, it began to unfurl around him in the water. The man behind him, another man, was then shot and slumped into the water behind him as well. Yeah. So yeah, all of a sudden it was the kilt coming off yeah. that I'm laughing at. <laughs> yeah. not the, the kilt is not shot. coming off. The kilt is not he, coming off. He said off. it started to unfurl, but we just both got this mental image of him coming out of the water in his undies. No, no kilt. They don't wear it, do they? <laughs> the kilt stayed on. Yeah, traditionally, no. Um, Sat on to see while they called him the mad pirate. We've <laughs> <laughs> seen that bloke with no pants. Come on, guys. Anyway, so he then began to forge his way through the icy water, kilt dragging behind him. Uh, Lovett then spun around and shouted, Give us Highland Laddie, man. Uh, shaking he's, from he's the- taken requests. Yep. Now's, yeah. the to- yeah. Now's the time. Now's the time. Play Wonderwall. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, that's a good call. Play Wonderwall. <laughs> Sean's really not enjoying this anymore. Oh, Sean, I want you to learn one- It's taken one- so long to get through one paragraph. Oh, man. I want you to learn to play Wonderwall on the bagpipes. It doesn't work. Only I don't care. Oh, you make it work. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, Millen now shaking from cold in the water up to his waist, uh, he readied his pipes and began to play uh, Highland Laddie, which was the tune that was the regimental march of Lovett's old unit, the Scots Guard, all while wading through lifeless bodies that drifted in the surf around him. Later in an interview, he would say that every time he plays Highland Laddie, his mind does find its way back to wading through that blood-soaked I water. Would, wouldn't it? Yeah, like they just you can't even imagine it. The horror, like he's and he's playing the bagpipes. It's insane. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's bad enough being in that situation, but you're not actually like yeah. technically fighting back. No, he's like, not yeah. fighting back. He's just storming the beaches, just blood, guts, and glory. That's it. Ugh. Yeah. I, I said in, in the Midway episode, but war is just- Oh, like, war is hell. Yeah. War but is hell. In, in saying that, like, we get these amazing stories. We get these incredible acts of bravery. Yeah. That, not worth it. <laughs> not worth it, yeah. Probably better if you don't have all the death. Yeah. You're probably right, but- so, as he got to shore, uh, Millen was rather astounded to hear over the roar of the guns that Lovett was yelling at him, uh, actually, to play the rest of the commandos ashore with a different tune called Road to the Isles, he's which still is- still taking requests. Yeah. Yep. I mean, this is the idea. He's playing tunes that are going to inspire the troops forward. It was rather hard for them to get through the water, and uh, Lord Lovett had changed his mind. He's like, I want you to play- Sounds uh, like the, like, World War II equivalent of when you just skip a song on Spotify. <laughs> like, I've heard enough of this. <laughs> So, Road to the Isles, as you remember, if you yep. remember, was the tune he was playing on the ship as they left England. So, it's a rather yep. good tune and everybody likes it. Yeah. Um, a banger, if you will. He actually stated later in an interview that that sounded rather ridiculous to me to play the bagpipes and entertain people just like on Brighton Sands in peacetime. Anyway, I started the pipes and marched up and down. So he I was, agree with him. He was taken aback by the odd request. I agree with yeah. him. So, over the thump of mortars and the screaming of the machine guns around him, uh, Millen marched back and forth across the beach. Not forward, but back and forth, playing proudly to inspire the men and uh, that were charging the beach. And many soldiers, astonished not only to see a man in a kilt, but to then see him playing the bagpipes as well, uh, cheered him as they ran past. Uh, they, were, You know, the morale was, was improving. They were already having a relatively yeah. successful beach landing, but the morale was improving. Uh, not everybody. Uh, one sergeant was quoted as shouting at him, Get down, you mad bugger. You're attracting attention to us. Uh, mm, this, of course. That makes a fair point, too. I would not want I to be would standing argue next- there's already enough attention yeah, there. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to be standing next to the bloke. I wouldn't want to be standing room. next to the piper. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, this gave him the nickname that he would carry for the rest of his life as the mad piper of D-Day. Yep. Mm-hmm. I can see that. So that's our story. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it goes on a little bit further. Uh, <laughs> it goes significantly <laughs> further. Um, 
So for Lovett's commandos, there was no time to lose. He had actually promised General Gale uh, with the 6th Airborne, the Red Devils, that he would reach the bridges inland at noon sharp. Why would you promise I that? I don't Jeez, know. That's not very long. That's what not very long. That's a stupid promise. That's not a lot of time. So he knew that the men holding them uh, were hanging on by their fingernails, having dropped in in gliders the previous night and being told to hold until relieved. And that was a schmozzle as well. That the was a yeah, I have heard of that one. The gliders were an absolute yeah. poop fight. Yeah. They it was did, not- Half of them didn't land very well. Some of them had- They what? dropped out of the gliders. They, yeah. So the gliders were dropped by larger planes. Yeah. And then the idea is they wouldn't make noise and they would paratroop out. Now, there were some other deception tactics that were going on at the same oh, time. I thought there was a couple of gliders that were meant to land, but one of them had a general and so they armoured plated up a glider. What do you think happens when you make a glider heavy? Yeah, it straight out fell out of the It air. doesn't glide. Down it goes. Mm-hmm. Down it goes. They also dropped uh, dummy paratroopers out of the sky. Now, this was actually, once again, in a similar movie where they had these dolls that they would chuck out of the plane. In, in reality, what they were was some hessian uh, with some flaps hanging onto it that looked mildly like a person. So in the movies, they dramatize them a little bit, make them look a bit fancier. But they did. They dropped fake paratroopers out to try and distract them away from the actual drop site. It's a fair tactic. Mm-hmm. I want to do, I want to steal a segment from Hamish and Andy. It's called Keep It or Delete It. I'm going to tell you guys a story. And if it's interesting, we keep it. If it's not, we just cut it. So. But in theory, you, then if it doesn't have interesting, to keep everything, then the then? whole bit's no. deleted. No. So from this moment. After, oh, so I just, after I finish this sentence. So you explain it, and then if we decide to delete it, it just yeah, moves you'll on. never hear the rest of it. <laughs> I love it. And then okay. come back in with sorry, children. Yeah. So it, it will end from here. So if you're hearing me talking right now, the story got kept. So uh, World War Two, they talked about um, they wanted to Im- increase the amount of survivability in Air Force planes, right? So they went, hey, can you, to this like mathematician- they're like, hey, can you take a look at the planes that come back and tell us where we should put armor plating on them? Because we can't armor plate the whole thing. And so he looked at all the planes and he got like a, a map of every plane that came back, where it had been shot. And it was like, you know, all over the wings, there was, it was shot and all this stuff. And he looked at it and went, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to armor plate the bits of it that aren't getting shot because the ones that came back were the ones that survived. So he's like, the so ones the that are getting shot in these areas are going down. Yeah, right. That's fair. So yeah. you need to armor plate those bits. Semi, yeah, semi. That's so like the opposite of what you think. That's clever. I see the logic. I'll yeah. allow it. Keep I'll, it. I'll allow Keep it. it. Keep it. Yes. Keep, Keep it or delete it. it. Just yeah. Sorry, Hamish Nandy. Thanks everyone. You got yeah. to hear my story. Back into it. Yeah. So anyway, the, he promised that he'd be there by <laughs> by noon. <laughs> you, you can't see him, but Aaron fully just did a fist pump. I he saw gets, the fist. Yeah. <laughs> he's very happy it that was story stayed in. He he loved keeping that story in. So he'd been told. He told General Gale that he'd he'd get there by noon, which was a pretty crazy, crazy thing to say. You have a distance from Mm -hmm. the the beach to say like I do six miles. Uh, But what? How much land are they making on average a day in World War Two? Not much, but well, you got to think it's not just it's not just a six mile walk. It's a six mile walk through an enemy force. Yeah, with stuff. With stuff. With stuff. Anyway, so uh, with. Them being there the previous night, their ammo and food and water and really everything was starting to get uh, pretty low. And with the German counterattack being imminent, Lovett knew that he had to get there very quickly. He had to cover six miles in three and a half hours by the time they cleared the beach. So it's not even like half a day, it's three and a half hours. So using a few procured bicycles uh, and a horse and wagon. Bat horse? Not a bat horse. <laughs> the commandos pushed onward, no, uh, no, avoiding- No, 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 bat, bat horse. Oh. Bad bicycle. Who said Batman horse? No, you said bat bicycle. bicycle, and bat horse. I said bat okay. cycle. In my head, said it came as Batman horse. Anyway, and nothing's better. So they, 
avoiding conflict wherever they were able to by following hedge lines, cutting barbed wire, <laughs> splashing through marshlands. They're and just speed running and leveling Call of Duty, just skipping encounters. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and picking their way through minefields where they could. Now, obviously, oh. this is not, yeah, this is not the safest solution. No. But if they can avoid conflict along the way, which yeah. keeps their signature low. Uh, striding along, twirling his wading stick, uh, love it instructed Millen, <clears throat> right, Piper, start up those pipes again and keep playing as long as you can until we reach Bonneville. They're trying to avoid yeah. conflict and they're like, oi, Piper. This is sort of past the point where- Play us a banger. Yeah, this is past that point now, I'd say. I don't know is- who's crazier. Is it the guy who playing the bagpipes or the guy that keeps telling him to play the bagpipes? It's the like- guy playing the pipes. No, no, I reckon it's the- Love it. He's he's the crazy one because he's like, you bring those pipes, you no. goddamn play them. He's not crazy because he's not the one that has to play the loud instrument and bring attention to himself. Look, obviously he's picked a time when they were able- to play again. Like, he wasn't just... I don't know. He was telling me to play not, on the There's beach. not a German patrol 100 metres away. Play them pipes now. <laughs> May I start the paragraph <laughs> again? May I start the paragraph again? Because I actually deliberately left out a piece of this story because I thought it was faff, but obviously it's created confusion. Okay. I mean, you could just tell us the bit. Just tell us the thing. Okay. So, they'd already actually had a conflict at this point. So, okay. they'd, they'd crept their way through hedge lines and, and barbed wire and minefields and marshlands and everything. And they they played that game for a long time until they got attacked by a sniper. Uh, love it. Being a rather canny soldier as he was, uh, picked up a rifle, shot the sniper with one bullet and went, all right, that's done then. And then handed the rifle back to a soldier. Now he didn't have a rifle at this point. So earlier- Jeez, that's dope. Yeah. These guys are badass. So earlier, earlier he'd actually given his rifle to a soldier who lost it in the surf. The only thing he had on him was a forty-five caliber pistol and his stick. I'm surprised he didn't just take the pistol out. Yeah. It, did it say this rifle had a scope or anything? It was just no. iron sights and no, a sniper. shot the sniper. God yep. damn. Yeah, yep. that's it. That's I impressive. love this guy. This, yeah. that, that has made me love this guy. Yeah, this, this guy might be better than Dick Best. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. He's pretty fierce. Anyway, Ooh, so- That hurts. Once they'd already had this conflict, once they'd already had this conflict and they'd got back on the road again, he said, right, Piper, start up those pipes again. And keep playing as long as you can until we reach Bonneville. The airborne are at the bridges there, and when they hear the pipes, they will know we are coming. That's his theory. That's his theory. It's inspiring the troops, not only his troops, but the ones that he's going to relieve. And they'll hear him. Yo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to make my usual joke about if they're in France, they'll hear him. But they're already in France. So, not wrong, well man. done, idiot. Um, Sean loved that one. Real proud of himself. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta take a quick break. <laughs> License-free jazz for a moment as I, <laughs> regain, <laughs> as I regain. That's only for beer spills. License, license-free bagpipe music. If that beer can's empty, just spill it so we get the hear. No. <laughs> Had enough. Uh, said beer can will have a review towards the end of the episode, as usual, folks. So, Millen started of, up. That's part of Sean Temba. I Sean, mean, Sean. Yeah, that's right. Say Sean that Vem- again. Sean Vember. Sean Vember. Sean Vember. So, Millen started up and played Blue Bonnets. Correction. Millen started up. <laughs> No beer spill? No, that's scared right, me, good. though. <laughs> Are you laughing at the expression on my face? <laughs> Sean's gone again. Gone a bit silly. <laughs> oh, you better watch that pillow, mate. What has happened? What has happened to this podcast at the moment? I don't know. We've hit silly hour. It's 10 to 10, and Billy's we just all lost us, it. Billy's made us gone bonkers. Oh, I still can't get over. Oh, mate, just picking up an iron side of rifle and going, there's a yeah, snipe up. Get out of here. One shot. <laughs> I just get the 360 very- 360 nose go. <laughs> I just hear, hear the faintest sound of a pillow falling and look up and John's looking at me like- <laughs> Ooh. Okay, regain my composure. Three, two, 
One, Millen started up and played uh, Blue Bonnets Over the Border, which is the same quick tune that was played during World War One as a common one. Uh, as the commandos marched on, after a long journey through the tough terrain, it was past midday when they finally arrived at the bridges held by the airborne. And as they approached, uh, the troops on the other side of the canal signaled that they were under heavy sniper fire. The soldiers that had been holding the bridges overnight there were weary after 12 hours of counterattacks and probes by the Germans. Their numbers dwindling, and with ammo running low, the worn-out soldiers were desperate for reinforcements as the sniper fire flew overhead. In a foxhole near the bridge, Private William Gray uh, glanced at his wristwatch and noticing that Lovett was an hour and a half late. He wondered where they were. Fearful uh, of the increasingly accurate sniper fire, they kept their heads down. However, during a lull in the fire, Private John Wilkes, his foxhole buddy, turned to Gray and said, You know, I think I hear bagpipes. Uh, to which he was responded by Gray, said, Now you're daft. So after a few more seconds, Wilkes then insisted, no, I really, I really do hear bagpipes. Of course, that's what they were hearing. They were hearing Bill yeah. Miller play as they just come trudging down this road. And he was still on the beach six so miles it, it, away. It didn't inspire them. It's just confused the troops they meant to be reinforcing. We'll get on to that. The beaten down paratroopers' spirits soared as they heard the familiar sound as it grew in volume. And as they spotted Lovett and his commandos with Millen in his kilt and his bagpipes blaring as they marched purposefully towards them. Uh, the euphoria didn't last long, however, as the commandos started crossing the bridge over the canal. Uh, German sniper fire opened up on them straight away, and Lovett ordered Millen to shoulder his pipes and continue to play the column of commandos across the bridge. They're on a bridge. There's no cover. There's no cover. There's nothing. There's no cover. There's no concealment. Oh, man. I told you, the commander is the crazy one. He's like, you stand in the middle of the open, in the middle of heavy sniper fire, and play them damn bagpipes. Are we sure they liked each other? I think they did. Uh, Sounds like maybe they didn't. So Millen then turned back to look at Lovett. This guy's trying to get him killed. Yeah. Millen then turned back to look at Lovett and recalls through the sniper fire. uh, He's quoted as saying, he was striding along as if he was out for a walk around his estate and he gave me the signal to carry on. Millen then says he was uh, trusting with luck to keep him from getting hit as, as he says, he could not hear very much for the drone of the pipes. It seemed like a very long bridge. This is a a simple bridge too far, if you might say. So, the Red Devils. The Red Devils uh, rushed from their pits to greet the commandos, and as they crossed over the bridge, they then returned to their positions. Once the Bren guns, their, their major machine guns, had been set back up, they began to share rations and regale ten stories over the last day as they prepared to advance towards the communications hub of Kent, which was uh, a large town that they were then supposed to be pushing towards. Um, they moved in around positions of broken gliders, crashed items, old tanks, really anything they could find so that they could then hook back up essentially and then talk about what had happened over the last 24 hours. This lifted their spirits as well as the music and the morale of getting back together. Uh, Soldiers said that having them arrive made them feel years younger was one of the quotes that came out of it. A soldier said that he felt years younger. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if at that point you're feeling that bad. Well, you mentioned something earlier, Sean. You said... um, Yes. They would have been fighting for like 12 hours and sleep deprived. You kind of mm-hmm. forget that about warfare. In the middle of a, a battle, you can't really sleep. Nope. And so, when you do, you just close your eyes and hope for the best until yeah. someone wakes you up. You just, you, that's something I forget about. And so yeah. having that, like you said, that morale boost of just almost that second wind, um, mm-hmm. it, it is very important in the sense of a battle taking place. So uh, Millen's pipes that he actually played during the D-Day landing were later damaged in the war, um, or that day, sorry, by uh, by some shrapnel. No, okay. by some shrapnel from an explosion. But they actually remained playable, which is pretty good. He did. He then managed to get hold of a second set to keep going throughout the war. It was a long while. Uh, always exposed and armed with nothing other than his skin do, which is a small 
knife that you've probably seen before, they wear it in their right sock, yeah, yeah, right. Yep. which is referred as hose. Uh, they wear a small knife. Um, he later mentioned that he spoke to some German prisoners <laughs> as to why he wasn't shot. Uh, oh, okay, this will be interesting. Yeah, to which they said that they thought he'd gone insane. Uh, <laughs> so they decided yep, not to shoot him. They decided him. not to shoot him. Or <laughs> now, some of them. The guy telling him to go stand in the middle of the bridge and pay pipes? Yeah. Genius. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I think you're so crazy they won't shoot you. They thought, that he'd gone, they thought that he'd gone insane from battle fatigue and he just picked up pipes and started playing. Wow. Yeah. And he never had a weapon, he ne- other than the skin do and his dirk. Apart from the one knife. time he picked up a rifle and nailed a sniper no, with iron No, Lord Lovett picked up the rifle and nailed oh, a sniper. Oh, I thought it was a bagpiper. No, the bagpiper. No. Nope. Oh, nope. I was confused the whole time. Basically, a conscientious- Still as impressive. Yeah, still very impressive. Yeah, the man with the walking stick. That's all, yeah. So, so um, the special service brigade that they were a part of, the contained Lovett's commandos, were in action in total in Normandy for 10 weeks and suffered almost a thousand casualties before they were withdrawn. Lord Lovett himself actually nearly died from shrapnel wounds. He actually nearly died a few times, but he he died, he got hit so badly from, from shrapnel wounds that he sustained uh, that he was actually given last rites. Oh, wow. It yeah, was that bad. It was that bad. However, due to, as it's quoted, his hearty constitution. Yeah, this guy's a badass. He's not, yeah. letting, that, he's yeah. not letting that little bit of shrapnel it's take him down. What exactly what's reported. They said Just a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound. They said due to his hardy constitution and a swift blood transfusion, he pulled through. Yeah. yeah. Good on him. As he was carried away, he sent a message back to his soldiers saying, I can rely on you to not take a step back. Dope. To which That's they didn't. a great quote. Yeah, it's a good one. Which they Fantastic. didn't. Fantastic. Which they didn't. Anyway, so 10 weeks in Normandy, the, his yep. unit. 10 weeks in Normandy. Not a small amount of time. So now we move into the aftermath of the war. So after being demobilized in 1946, so removed from the war, uh, Millen took up an offer from Lord Lovett to work on his sprawling estate in the Highlands. Uh, However, uh, life on the estate proved to be far too quiet for the mad piper of D-Day. And he joined a touring theater troupe and played the pipes on stage all across the British Isles. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So in the 1950s, in the sorry, in the late 1950s, it's, it's, it's no getting shot at. It's no getting shot at while playing the bagpipes in a kilt. But <laughs> in the late 1950s, Millen uh, trained up as a mental health nurse uh, before he then moved to Devonshire cool. to a town called Dawlish, where he worked until his retirement in 1988. That's a long career. Mm-hmm. That's it's, a long career. Yeah, yeah. It's a long career. So he then went around the world and gave lectures on his time on. In, on D-Day, playing the pipes and being with his unit, including across America, uh, people that were obviously very- oh, I, I just had the mental image, you know, like the stereotypical, tell us about the war, Grandpa. Well, let me tell you, son. And watching, yeah. his, watching his eyes glass over as he pulls out his practice practice channel. Yeah. Let me play you this song. Yeah, this is what let I- Let me tell what, you about what I remember when I played it. What did you do in the war, Grandpa? I played the bagpipes. Well, I was a Batman. <laughs> Batman, I love Batman. <laughs> You're cheapening it. <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to. I'm, str- I'm not trying to cheapen it. Like this, that was that's an incredible it's story. Crazy, of this isn't dude it? marching across yeah. half of France with a set of bagpipes. Yep, I like this guy, and he survived. And a small yeah. life, and the bagpipes survived. Yeah, the yeah. bagpipes are did they, survive. Are they in a museum somewhere? Uh-huh. Or so I'll get into that. So um, later on, Millen was actually portrayed in a film called The Longest Day. Highly recommend you give it a watch. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's not on anything else. Amazon Prime, is it? Yeah. Wonder if I'll be getting a dollar fifteen charge for that later. Try four ninety nine uh, to rent the movie. It's an iconic. Whoa. Yeah, because it's so uh, thanks, uh, thanks in advance, boy, for letting me rent that one. So it's a film about uh, the British landing at Normandy, specifically the British landing. It actually contained several of the veterans 
from that battle, the British, who then went nice. on to somehow become actors and were starred in this movie. Nice. So it's an older movie. It's an older movie. Came out in the 60s. Right. Right. John Ooh. Wayne is in it and Sean Connery and Dope. two Bond villains. Goldfinger is also in it. as a, Odd job? No, Goldfinger. The you actual. Yeah, two, Goldfinger and then a different Bond okay. villain whose name uh, I can't really quite remember off the top of my head. They're actually playing the Bond villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it was a pretty full-on movie and they did a lot of very realistic uh, filming to try and to try and get the footage and it was quite good if, if, if you're interested there's a good little YouTube snippet where they did like you know 20 facts about the movie and it sort yeah, of yeah. sums it up without having to watch a 175 minute movie uh, in black and white so in the movie he was actually portrayed by Piper Leslie Delaspie who was uh, the official Piper of the Queen Mother so in, in oh, that's England, a title yeah so they actually have official Pipers at, at you know the Queen's Court and in, in yeah at Buckingham Palace, the Queen has her own piper who plays outside her bedroom window at nine in the morning. Um, Is it still a thing? Still a thing. Oh, wow. And he was the same piper that you would have seen uh, play at Prince Philip's funeral recently, who played Parker, Flowers yep. of the Forest, yeah. But uh, the Queen Mother's piper, who actually played the piper in the movie, which is why when you see him start up and play, it actually looks like he knows what he's doing. Yeah, right. just look like an idiot flapping I'm, I'm waiting for you to set, tell me he was using the actual pipes used. No, that would be absolutely fantastic, though. No, um... So, Millen attended many D-Day anniversary services, pretty much all of them afterwards, uh, and actually played as the group marched across the bridge uh, that he then that's played cool. across. That's, yeah. that's very cool. And that's he very did cool. that every year until he physically couldn't play the pipes anymore. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's there's awesome. Got to give him props for that. There's several television interviews of him on YouTube that you can yeah. I was going to say, maybe we can link that in the yeah, socials. We can link that in the socials yeah. where they talk about him. And uh, Or even if there's footage of him walking across the bridge playing. There's footage of him walking across the bridge playing. Yeah, I think yeah. we should link that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, he actually stayed friends with his former commander and he played the Lament, being Flowers of the Forest, at his funeral in 1995. Nice. Which is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, he later donated his set of pipes that he called his campaign pipes. So not the D-Day pipes, a later set of pipes. He actually sent them to the National War Museum in Edinburgh, but a lot of people get confused about which pipes are which, so there was yeah. a bit of dispute. His actual D-Day pipes, along with his kilt, his dirk, which is the, a larger knife, uh, his bonnet that he was wearing, and his skin do and a few other sh- things, are located in his local museum in Dawlish, which was where he lived until his death in 2010. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's pretty fantastic. Uh, even better, in 2013, well, they actually started this before he died, uh, they started raising money for a, a life-size statue of him paying the pipe stepping across the water to be erected at Sword Beach. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. Fortunately, it wasn't completed before he died, but they did finish it three years later in 2013. Oh, so there's a, there is there a is statue. There is a life-size statue wow. at the beach in France. Do you, do you have a picture of that there? I do have a picture of it. I would Get like to see that. that up on the socials. Yeah, put that on the socials, but I would like to see it right now. That's sick. That's, that's a dope. great statue. I like that. Mm-hmm. I was actually just thinking before, next time we're, we've got to make a clan or something, I'm thinking of going, yeah. Lord Lovett's Commandos is our name. Deep yeah. cut for people who might get it. So, that's the story of Bill Millen. That is a great story. That's awesome. That's yeah, the story of the I mad, really enjoyed that. The Mad Piper of, of D-Day. Of D-Day. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Yeah, a lot of people read Good that story. Good debut episode. Good debut. It is. Mm. A lot of people read the story and they just, they read the little bit about him going across the beach. But there's so much more to it. His yeah. relationship- with the unit he was with, his relationship yeah. with his commander, and then the further actions that took place, not just at the beach, but as they got inland as well. Yeah, towards yeah. the bridge and mm-hmm. was it Cannes? Yeah, into, when they pushed towards the town of Cannes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it didn't just end there. It just kept going, yeah. rolling on. Yeah. As a bagpipe would. <laughs> yep. Keep droning on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well done. All right, well. God damn, thank you for- You're a bag of hot air. Ha! Ha. 
All right. Well, um, yeah, that wraps up Sean Vember. It does. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. It's been a blast to have you for two episodes in a row. Um, yeah. We're going to have to start uh, doing our own research again now, boy. Oh, that's good. It's good fun. Yeah. To pick up the slack. <laughs> You'll be expected to do more. You've been coasting for so are all we gonna, right. Are we going to have to wait until next uh, November to next for another- Sean Vember. Sean Vember or- just bank them. Well, we're, we're banking, <laughs> banking them. <laughs> Thanks, Auntie Donna. All right. Well, it has been a long one, so I hope you're all still enjoying. Still um, listening for the three expect, people still listening. <laughs> I expect you're all still listening. I've seen the listenership stats, and it's actually pretty good. Um, yeah. Well, as always, follow us on social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Cheeky Tales Pod. We'll have some images up there for this episode and uh, many of the others that we've done. Um, if you could give us a share, uh, tell some of your friends about us and, uh, and get them to have a listen, that would be really appreciated. We would love to share the good word of cheeky tales. That is the best way for us to get out and about, isn't it? Word of mouth. It's really uh, the only way the because yep. it got really biblical for a second. I know. I, I did go that way. Share the good word. Yeah. Um, it would really you like is- to talk about cheeky tales? It, re- <laughs> it really is the only way that we get shared because, uh, John, you and I are lazy with advertising. <laughs> and broke. Uh, <laughs> I'm very yeah. broke. But, um, yeah, thank you for listening, and we will see you in a fortnight. It'll be my turn. We'll see you then. Not Sean. Good night, podcast world. Good night. (laughs) Good night. Good night, podcast world. Sean will be back, just not next week. Just not next week.